When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. You feel good about a 2% chance about anything? Somebody tells you you got a 2% chance of this happening in life, you Let like it? Let me ask you this, Tom. You like those odds? You take those odds, Udovich? How do you how do you feel about 2% milk? It's my favorite type of milk. I agree. Bar none. <laughs> yeah. Whole milk just way too thick. Skim milk's watered down. Yeah. 2%, what does Ron Swanson right. say? He hates two things in life. Lying <laughs> and skim milk, which is water lying about being milk. 2% chance is what your Steelers have right now to make the playoffs thanks to the Chargers having to win, I guess, on Monday Night Football against the Jeff Saturday-led Colts. They clinch. We'll get into that later. Your boy finally going to the playoffs for the first time the ever first, in his my career. My boy, that's right. Justin Herbert and the Chargers clinch. Two wild cards are off the table now. Only two Ooh. spots remain in the AFC. One of them is the AFC South champion, and then one is that final seventh wild so card. Really seventh one re- seed. One remains. One remains as far as the Steelers are concerned. Yeah. That's correct. So you got a 2% chance to make it. Stranger things have happened. We'll detail a little bit in either later this episode or the next episode about the path to making the playoffs, who you need to root for in addition to the Steelers winning out. It's Ravens week, game flex to Sunday night football, back-to-back weeks in primetime. There's a ton on the table today, but first time sitting down with you since that Raiders win on Saturday, yeah. and I wanted to start there and just talk about how what a great night it was in celebration of Franco's life and memory. The ceremony at halftime, raising his number 32 to the rafters to be forever retired officially in uh, Pittsburgh Steelers franchise. Mm-hmm. And then to walk away with the win was just the cherry on top. And the uh, way they won. The, the way they won was the just so magnificent. Drive, it's, yeah. It would have felt weird if you came away from that game as a loss. There would still be that overwhelming emotional halftime, and you'd really feel great for Franco and the family. But in the back of your head, you'd still be thinking, ah, it would have been great to win that one for 32, though, mm-hmm. to win for his legacy. And then you end up winning it kind of in the exact way that you'd think Franco would want you to win it. A late comeback win against the Raiders. Mm -hmm. 13 total points scored by the team. Same amount scored in the Immaculate Reception game. The Raiders scored three extra points. It was so close to being the same score. But I think just a very poetic ending to a game that was, quite frankly, pretty boring. But the Immaculate Reception, to be honest, was a pretty low-scoring, boring game as well. I mean, the the Steelers... Steelers' only touchdown that day came in the form of the Immaculate Immaculate Reception. Reception. How crazy that the Steelers had to wait... 
until the Immaculate Reception. Did you know that was their first ever, ever playoff, playoff touchdown? touchdown? Yeah, they got so. shut out in their first playoff yeah. game ever as a, as a franchise. So a lot of parallels to the Immaculate Reception, maybe some that you stretch for, some that you don't have to stretch for. But in the end, I think just extremely poetic and, and very happy that you get the win. Yeah, you're obviously happy because how hard must it have been or would it have been had the Franco passing happened, occurred this past week? You were ready to celebrate 50 years of the Immaculate Reception with or without Franco, and you lose that game. I mean, that you don't want to say it taints the memory of Franco, right? but obviously now this with the win, it adds to the legacy. It adds to that memory of, 50 years from now, right? We're talking about 50 years currently post the Immaculate Reception. 50 years from now, people will saying, wow, I can't believe on the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, Franco Harris passed away and the Steelers walked away with a last-second win on Christmas Eve against the Raiders. It, it obviously helps so much to remember this week a lot more fondly than you would have had Franco passed away and you came away with a loss. I liked the young guns really putting their imprint on mm-hmm. the game as well. Tomlin said post game, you know, uh, anytime that our young guys can really put their fingerprints all over a win like this, that's very encouraging. And I don't know if you've seen the mic'd up clip of Mike Tomlin floating around the uh, the mm-hmm. old social webs. Wow, I sounded old there. <laughs> but uh, he, him talking about we're, we're growing up tonight. You have you seen it where he's like, yeah. it's a grow up moment. He like. He goes over to I think it was either Dan Moore. I think it was Dan Moore. He like kind of like peeks into his his visor Face and Dan mask, Moore's yeah. like kind of like what's going on. He's like I just want to look at your eyes. I just wanted to make sure we're ready for this it's a grow up moment. Right. It's grow we're growing up tonight, and they did. Uh, I mean Najee, close to a hundred total yards on the day. Some spread it runs. out. Fifty three on the ground, forty through the air. A I nice mean, hurdle at the end of the game. Physical yeah. running in the open yeah, field right. whenever he got the ball out of the backfield. Fryermuth was your leading receiver. But Deontay had a lot of catches as well. So did Pickens. There was and Pickens had the biggest one. A of the spreading day. of the wealth between all of these young players. You not only got to see a win, you not only got to have that cherry put on top of the Franco Harris Day Sunday, but you saw the young core flash what could potentially be the future for this team for a long time. Yeah, a lot of offensively, people, a lot of people spoke on that. Tomlin spoke on it. Kenny spoke on it. Um, the fact that. Everyone who touched the ball the last drive, Kenny, Najee, Deontay, Pickens, and Pat are that core five of youngsters who could lead this offense for the future. And they were the only ones who touched the ball in that final drive. I mean, no offense to people like Zach Gentry or Jalen Warren or Steven Sims, but there's a reason those five guys, Tom, other than Deontay, but Deontay easily could have been, those guys were all picked with first or second round draft picks, right? Kenny a first, Najee a first, Pickens a second, and Pat a second. And then Deontay the third, but Deontay's, you know, the leader. So the last two years, those four men that I just named, all taken in the first or second round, that's really, I mean, we talk about the season's goals, right? Right now, it looks like a goal could be to make the playoffs. Win out and have some luck go in your favor and you can make it. And that wasn't a goal that we talked about for the 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 normal or the the overall length of the season. But right now it's a new goal just because of the possibility. But we know the overarching goal for the season was get the young guys more comfortable with each other. 
let them grow, not as individuals, but together. And on that last drive, you saw it pretty plain and simple. Yeah. and They trusted each other. They trusted each other. And even the very end, I don't know how much this guy factors into, you know, the future plans as far as the Steelers are concerned, but Connor Hayward, the meatball. Right. And that jet sweep to really ice the game. A little troll Completely job. Completely ice the game. A little troll job from Canada, maybe. A little jet sweep action to ice this thing out. Right. You 20, never expected to go to Connor Hayward. Never expected to go to Connor Hayward. 21 yard gain and a first down to ice the game. But yeah, I mean, offensively, it was a youth movement in that final drive to win that game for the Steelers. I will say this, though. While there was a lot to take away from that final drive that was encouraging, I think especially with Kenny. Big boy throws being made. The Pickens one was an absolute frozen rope for the touchdown to to win the mm-hmm. game. A lot of poise shown in that moment. Just so clean. Yeah. It just looked like an NFL touchdown. You know what I mean? It just looked textbook. It doesn't – it makes me not worry about the weighty moments becoming too weighty for Kenny mm-hmm. Pickett in the NFL because he this was – This was not just a – This a, is second, fourth quarter comeback now. Right. This was so. not just a, a primetime game, Tom. This was an entire city looking for a silver lining after was what was one of the most dreadful weeks in recent memory in this town. Yeah, and I like the, the takeaway from that, but where I was going with that was sure. – as an offense, I don't want the Steelers, I don't want anybody out there thinking that they found some fool's gold. Because I do Just because I of, do worry okay. that, you know, there has been some progress made lately. You know, as far as expected points added are concerned, which is a nice little uh, sabermetric-y kind of stat, mm-hmm. to borrow a baseball term. The Steelers are improving a lot recently on the offensive side of ball as, as far as that stat's concerned. And you're seeing some signs of the running game coming along. Pickett showed flashes in that last drive. He threw for 244 yards too, and it's getting close mm-hmm. to where we wanted him to be. At A couple more touchdowns, plus yeah. Yard mark, yeah, or even like 275, something like that. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing some steps being taken forward, but as a whole, there's still a lot more to be desired offensively. I mean, you only you only scored 13 points. Again. I know you're playing on Again. Hoth. I know you were playing on Hoth. I know it was different. Uh, environmentally than you're usually used to on any given Sunday. But still, it wasn't the most amazing performance offensively by the Steelers, and I just don't want to head into this offseason with, oh, look at how good this offense came along down the stretch. We started getting better. Mm-hmm. What a drive against the Raiders, right? Maybe Canada's not so bad. Maybe you bring him back. Maybe there isn't much change needed on the offensive line after all. Maybe you don't need to go out and – you know, address X, Y, and Z in the offseason. I I don't want that to kind of creep into the mentality of how this team approaches the offseason just because just of because some baby one steps, win, yeah. just baby steps mm-hmm. being made towards the end of the season. I don't want that to be confused with massive strides and, oh, it just needs another offseason for everything to click. Because yeah, there's still big changes, I think. Offensive line, and I, I just think it needs a new play caller, I'll be honest with you. I think those are the top two still. I, I don't think... In a season that you've been on the on the edge or, or f- as a fringe team, right, making the playoffs or being a sub-500 team. I mean, talk about bigger scope things to be concerned about. I mean, I know Tom doesn't give a lot of weight to it, but it's an impressive feat, Tom, that Tom has started this many seasons of his coaching career without a sub-500 season. And 
right now, <clears throat> I mean, he's only one one loss away from doing it, but he's still alive in that in that regard. He's still able to say that he hasn't yet had a losing season. And with that in mind, I think that just because you're winning against these teams, I mean, keep in mind too, Tom, the Steelers have seven wins on the season. Four of them came from the NFC South, which is, I don't think arguably, I mean, maybe you could say the AFC South, but it's it's either the worst or second worst division of football. They had the one surprise win against the Bengals, and then they have the win against the Raiders. So the Raiders, you know, not doing as great as other teams as he was in the Colts right, against Jeff Saturday, right? So keep in mind who they've beaten, right? Only one legitimate team in the Bengals, and that came in week one when everyone's just dipping their toes in the water for the first time. So I don't think, despite winning, what, five of their last seven since the bye week um, and potentially retaining or keeping Tomlin's winning season streak alive, I don't think because of that, just because of that, that those overhaul changes won't come. Because I think they'd be pretty foolish to just overlook those just because you finish the season over 500. Yeah, and just to you know, kind of go further down the road that you're going on, it's important to remember that in the stretch that you're pointing out post-bye week, you know, where you get some wins stacking up and you start to see some signs of life from the offense, uh, yeah, you had that Cincinnati Bengals game where the defense gave up 37 points and the offense scored 30, some of that being in garbage time, though. But since then, that Colts game on, the defense hasn't given up more than 17 points right. in a single game. I mean, it doesn't exactly take the Joe Montana 49ers offense to score enough points to win a game if you're only giving up 17 points. Well, that's the issue. I mean, look at the one game they lost since that Bengals game, or other than that Bengals game since the bye. It was against the Ravens, and they lost it 16-14. to Like you said, they didn't, the defense didn't let up more than 17 points, but the offense could only come away with two scoring drives all day. Right, so... It still leaves a little bit to be desired. Mm-hmm. Some. For and sure. I, I don't want people to, you know, think, oh, uh, we're going to have this. Wins don't yeah. necessarily equal offensive success. F- offensive success. One really good drive from the offense doesn't exactly translate towards massive offensive no, success. No problems here. Right, exactly. So I, I, I just do wonder if um, they think in their minds – We've got something working here. We've got something moving forward. And I worry that they might overestimate what they have on the offensive side of the ball because of some signs of life that you've seen down the stretch. But and, you, the, and don't get me wrong either. I like seeing some signs of life. And yeah. there's definitely some areas where you look at and you take more stock in them than others, like Kenny's development, mm-hmm. the fourth quarter comebacks that he's had, his poise late in games, his his ability to cut down on the turnovers. I know he had a bad one against the Raiders, but this is his first one since the bye week. And right. bounced back really well from that. Outplayed Derek Carr in that game for sure. Right. Uh, so you got positive signs there. Najee, ever since the bye week, recovering from injury, starting to see him build himself back up, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think there are some signs. Fryermuth has really come along strong. Pickens, the, the receivers. Deontay, I know he hasn't gone 100 yards or a touchdown yet, but I think he's been better for the past couple of weeks as far as that number one target is concerned for this team. Those are things that I do take stock in and say, yeah, they've got something to build towards there. Mm-hmm. Dan Moore at left tackle. Even Dotson at guard, honestly. The play calling. 
these are things that are left to be desired, I think, and stuff that I just think need to be at the forefront of this team's mind in the offseason when they try to not rebuild the offense but add to it to the point where you're scoring more than 17 points per game like they are now. Yeah. Uh, I, we're kind of doing this dance here with the offense saying just because you're stacking wins doesn't equal offensive production. But just because you're not seeing offense production doesn't mean you're not seeing progression, right? This team has come a long way this on offense. This team has come a long way going from Najee really dealing with that injury on his foot and the quarterback controversy between Mitch and Kenny, uh, Kenny having three interception games, kind of what it seemed like left and right. And then since the bye week, he's only had one turnover. Najee Harris and Jalen Warren both getting super involved. That running game really taking off since the bye week. Uh, Kenny getting more comfortable with all all three, Deontay, George Pickens, and Pat Fryermuth. So, again, it's kind of funny how we're saying all these A doesn't equal B, So, but that doesn't mean B equals C. Stacking wins doesn't equal offensive production. But offensive production or the lack of offensive production doesn't equal to a lack of progression being made by the offense. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, hey, <laughs> hey stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Defensively against the Raiders. The Steelers defense give up 5.1 points per first quarter on average this year. Only a couple of teams are worse than that. So slow starts are a thing for the Steelers defense. The Raiders looked like they invented football. Nye. The Raiders looked like they invented football, invented the wheel, invented sliced bread, invented the rocket ship to Mars that hasn't even happened yet. (laughs) On that first drive of the game, they looked outstanding. I thought... Oh, boy, this could be a long, long day. day. They are in sync offensively, and Carr looks great. And then there was nothing for the rest of the game. And I think that the Steelers get big kudos for stopping Josh Jacobs the way that they did, for stopping Absolutely. that Raiders run. We said that's, that's, that's number one that you have to do. I know they're a two-dimensional team. They have a passing aspect to them. It's not like the Falcons, the Panthers, or the Ravens the past three weeks. There's somebody that you have to worry about offensively in the passing game. But we still said, first and foremost, cut that head off of that snake. Make sure they cannot run the ball with Josh Jacobs, the leading rusher in the NFL. And he was incredibly quiet all game long. And 
they don't turn to anybody else. You know, it's all Jacobs pretty much as far as that workload is concerned. And anytime they tried to get him going, the Steelers defense would not allow it to happen. That's so encouraging to me because they're the sixth best rush defense in the NFL right now. The Steelers. The Steelers. Are, yeah. That was thirty two to sixth as far as the stands right now, from last year to this year. But they still got gashed by some teams that committed to the run, Ravens, a couple weeks ago for two fifteen. Or by some teams that maybe boasted a legit stud running back, Nick Chubb, Thursday Night Football with the Browns. Uh, Taylor did a pretty decent job when the Colts played the Steelers. Stopped running the ball, really, with him whenever Mm -hmm. they were down in that game. Josh Jacobs was really that first legit, I think, elite running back that they stopped in his tracks completely, Mm -hmm. and he had no impact on the game. Tom, he had 26 rushing yards on that first drive when you and I both said this could be a long day. The rest of the day, the Steelers stopped him to 18 rushing yards. Held him to 18 rushing yards for the rest of the day. So 26 on one drive, that doesn't even sound that flashy. But when the Raiders marched down the field the way that they did, they did you think, okay, so he's going to get 26 yards every drive. So he's going to rush for 2,600 yards, basically, is what you're telling us in one game. No, I mean, 26 yards on the first drive and then 18 for the rest of the day. It's a great adjustment from the defense. Mm -hmm. And, again, that stat of them getting off to slow starts is a bit bizarre. But you've seen the defense, I think, get better as the year went on. Mm -hmm. They got healthier, too. Um, And I think you've also seen uh, in games the defense get better as the game goes on. Now, there has been examples earlier in the season where maybe you've noticed the defense wearing down late. But ever since that Colts game, you know, I don't, I don't really know if I, I can recognize that. Mm-hmm. I think that they're gelling a lot more, and there are definite areas of this defense where you can point to and say, yeah, that defensive line has really come on strong late. That being said, the inside linebackers have been abysmal this year. Yeah, absolutely. And that is the one area I think you can point to and definitively say they're going in the opposite direction than where they were at the beginning of the year. I think that— They kind of started strong and really teetered off. Yeah. The rest of the defense kind of was just— Okay, and then they've made their strides along the way. Yeah, I mean, outside linebackers tough to judge because of Watt getting injured. But looking at Highsmith, he's had a career year. So that's double, an, double that's digit incredible, sacks. Incredible yeah. achievement for him. Hayward's just gotten better as the season oh my went God. on. Ogan Joby's been good all year, pretty much Solid. dealing with injury and yeah. still playing well. Uh, the corners, I think, are just kind of in neutral, and there's a lot of injuries there that's affecting. Yeah, that, you know, it's, it's hard. What do you want to say? Do you want to bring up Camp Sutton's interception that he had to seal the game? Or do you want to bring up how he bit a little too hard on that touchdown pass or touchdown catch by Hunter Renfro? If he just plays it safely, he just bats, bats that ball out of the air, and maybe the Raiders just come away with a field goal. Yeah, there. so that that unit is whatever, to be honest with you. Um, Minka, I think, has been the MVP of the Absolutely, defense this yeah. year. And then Edmonds and KZ, I like the dynamic Solid. of all three of those guys. Offensively, too, you know, you're starting to see Kenny get better. You're starting to see the report with the receivers get better. Najee's getting better. The offensive line is still not good enough, but it's improving. That middle linebacker core is the only thing that I think you can definitively say is in reverse and slamming pedal to the metal going in the wrong direction. I mean, Bush and Jack are seeing the field less and less and less. Spillane played every snap for the past two weeks mm-hmm. for the Steelers. I was going to say, Jack two was, weeks in a row. Jack wasn't on the field, I don't think, for any third down snaps. Or if there were, it was like a handful of them last week. It's, it's really weird how that linebacking room has kind of shifted. And 
Here's a stat that Matt Williamson threw by me that is just it, it's it's hard to fathom this actually being true. Splash plays, right? So as far as forget tackles for losses, interceptions made, sacks, fumble recoveries. Between the three inside linebackers for the Steelers, Spillane, Bush, Jack. Jack, yeah. They have one of those statistics wow. combined. Between them all, Jacob, they have one on the year, and it was a sack by Spillane in week one. Yeah. That's that's you fall into an interception. A mm-hmm. ball lands at your feet and you pick it up. Mm-hmm. We're in week seventeen now. To have one of those statistics to share between the three of them, mm-hmm. I think really shines a spotlight on how poor the play has been from the those are the three, you know. Big things from that inside linebacker. Those you, are you're tackling the ball all the time. Why aren't you forcing fumbles? Is considered almost the general of the defense. That's the guy Correct. who who is making the adjustments at the line of scrimmage pre-snap, uh, having the wherewithal to know where the ball is going and to be that extra help, whether it's up front or in the secondary. If the ball goes beyond them in a pass and they can catch up and make a tackle or, or force a fumble. And all three guys. And you know what? It's hard to be critical of Robert Spillane just because of who he is as a guy. Right? He's not meant to be a starter in this league, but he's being asked to do a lot more than probably any other third-string linebacker in the league right now just because of the two guys playing ahead of him. Yeah, and i I, I got to be honest with you. I don't see it. I don't know why the Steelers are putting him in as much as they are. Yeah. And maybe their answer would be because of necessity. Like what you were just laying out, they're not seeing it from the other two guys, so you got to go with your third option. But, Jacob, I really worry that kind of to bring it full circle, the worry about the offense showing some signs, carrying that over into next year. Is Bob Spillane going to be one of your top two linebackers next year? Because clearly right now they're playing him over Bush, and Bush is a free agent. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm still not ruling out what happened what happened to Terrell Edmonds last offseason happening to Devin Bush this year? Goes out on the market. I'm a little, no one I'm wants a, him. He comes back cheap as a third guy. But I'm worried that the Steelers think that Spillane's good enough to be a top two. But here's the other thing. like I paused in the middle of saying that because then I'm like, but what else are they going to do? Are they going to bring back Bush? I don't think he's good enough to be a top two either. So they're kind of so stuck between a rock and a hard my, place right that's now. That's where I disagree with you on the on – the, the uh, Terrell Edmonds thing. I think the Steelers got lucky with him becoming as good as he's ever been this year. Pretty well, much. not only that, but other teams not recognizing his stability, his his availability, and his ability to be a consistent second string safety. Right. My, my the way I think uh, Devin Bush and Terrell Edmonds' case differ is the fact that I don't even think that if if Bush doesn't get a contract from another team, that the Steelers would be that interested in bringing him back. I think they would just because they could say, hey, no one brought you back or no one was interested in you and we're going to pay you whatever we decide to pay you because no one else is willing to and that's what you're going to be forced to take. Maybe that's the only reason why, but it won't be the similar way to Terrell Edmonds and the fact that I think the Steelers wanted to move forward with Terrell Edmonds. And now they're happily going to do so, I think, in a new contract with him after this offseason or during this offseason, rather, I don't know what's going to happen with Devin Bush. He may just—he may just not be on a team next year. I—I I, I think I, I it's impossible. He's going to be on a team. He'll be on a team, but I don't know if he's going to be somewhat like he's not going to be a target in free agency. And Miles Jack has to worry a little bit too. 
I mean, I thought the guy was a bright spot early on in the season, but he's gotten worse and worse mm-hmm. as the season went on. A guy who's dealt with knee injuries in the past, I wonder if maybe the wear and tear of a regular season, once you start to get to week 13, 14, 15, caught up with him a little bit. I mean, he's barely on the field for third downs at all. Mm-hmm. That's pretty tough to wrap your head that around. Is, that is a scenario where you want your best players on the field. No and they're taking him off. Check out the Steelers Week in Review hosted by Wesley Euler. It's a recap of the previous game as well as a look at the Steelers' next opponent. New episodes drop every Tuesday, and it's available on the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right. I want to talk a little bit more about that drive, basically in the context of Kenny Pickett, to pick up next episode and also take a little peek ahead at that Ravens and the scenarios for the Steelers to still creep into that playoff spot as the seventh seed. All that and more is on the way. He's Jacob Brecht. I'm Tom Offerman. This is the Steelers Standard. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.